Welcome to Stepside with Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Hey, Joel. It's been a while. Oh, my gosh. How's it going, Matt? Good. It's been like a month and you moved and how did that go? I've moved... I have been, you've been running around in the desert, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, but I think for step aside, episode five or six, five, I think Trucktober, <laughs> Trucktoberfest, 225th day of Trucktoberfest. I think we're fine. Uh, moved. Yes. I moved. How far did you move from the uh, place? Not far actually. Oh, like okay. as a crow flies, probably like maybe five miles. Oh, okay. Um, cool. but we moved out of an apartment into, believe it or not, the very first house I've ever bought. Uh, wow, I mean, congrats. not believe it or not, if you know how I spend my money <laughs> on, on cars you and were, motorcycles, you work for Gawker. Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, not I, a look, lot of homeowners. Uh, I lived in, I lived in New York city for 15 years. Like there was never any chance of buying something. And I should have realized that I was going to get old eventually and buy mm. something, uh, in, uh, the suburbs, which is what I have done now. So. I am coming to you from the very first garage that I've ever owned myself. Wow. I'm kind of losing my fucking mind. It's fantastic. Uh, like, I'm genuinely, like, it's no joke. Like, it's, like, one of the I'm happier than I maybe have almost ever been. Uh, the The house is a, is a nice, modest house in a quiet, uh, sleepy suburb north of New York City. But it's got a two-car garage. And the guy that built it, and including building the this garage... Uh, was a carpenter, so it's all like just really solid, logically uh, set up. I've been very nervous to, you know, like hammer into all of his work uh, so far. But I even inherited all his scrap wood, which I'm sure Ooh. he did not think at the time when he put it away that it was going to be worth a lot of money. But it is. So yeah, man. Uh, let let the mistakes begin. <laughs> uh awesome yeah well i guess it's been like a month there's so many things that have happened uh i went to utah and everything we can talk about that later in a truck no less yeah why don't we get to the uh news pile i mean this is why we had to come back this is why you and i when we were talking we're like <laughs> we gotta get on this gotta get on this podcast and do this thing or we're completely useless the uh ford f-150 lightning reviews Officially embargo. <laughs> embargo ended probably all at once. I don't yeah. know if I have seen such a rapturous, uh, get it raptor. Uh, I didn't plan on that. Uh, I haven't seen like this much, just unalloyed freak out and positive vibes on anything in forever. I felt like, well, I guess the Maverick last summer, everyone was pretty genuinely positive. They weren't over the top, but all the Rivian reviews are kind of like this, but the Ford ones are like, I can't believe Ford pulled it off. Like everyone's like pleasantly surprised by like how well it went and seems to be going. Some of the headlines, CNN, the electric Ford F-150 Lightning is the best version of America's best-selling truck. Like, okay, right down the middle. I, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but they're calling it the best F-150. Then the Wall Street Journal, this might be my favorite one, the Everyman's EV. Like, uh, I don't know about the everyman can afford a lightning at this point, yeah. but, uh, okay. That like for the wall street journal, they think a hundred thousand dollars. Like, yeah, this is for, Buy this one is for, for the your gardener, right? Your second gardener, uh, CNET, a true game changer, yeah. uh, someplace that I forgot to write down where it was a watershed moment for electric vehicles. Yeah. Uh, the, the one we should talk about this in a second, but the, 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 the one that, uh, gave me pause road mm. and track, the most pleasant towing experience ever. 
uh, EVs, trucks, towing, yeah. not usually the best, I, but I, I can, I get the, the I idea. Under, yeah. If you watch some reviews, you have like, t uh, trailer profiles on it where you say like, this is my, you know, big load trailer. I'm putting on the little jet ski trailer. Like you, it saves them and it like saves all the settings. Yeah. I think the word experience is doing a lot of work <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I remember that was like the first question that came up in one of the reviews of oh, the many I watched was like, how much does it affect mileage in the... <laughs> The Ford line was, well, it affects gas mileage on a gas truck, so right. shut up. And it's like, yeah, but come on. Yeah, I think we mentioned this before, but the, the, the rule of thumb I have in my head was uh, when one of the Rivian engineers moved from Detroit area or you know, the Midwest somewhere out to L.A. and towed a vehicle uh, on a trailer behind him, he said he had to charge 10 times, something like that, like hmm. 12. I, I don't remember. You know, not crazy, but yeah. uh, not, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot not more nothing. stopping. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's fine. It's totally fine. Like <laughs> It looks like a good truck. All the things I watched, I was like, this looks good. It's probably too much truck as usual for everything. Uh, you know, I wish they went with like a Maverick sized or a Ranger at the biggest platform, but if they're going to hit Joe America squarely center, I mean, it's bold. It's a great move. Um, I don't think they're ever going to cost 40 grand at the low end because all the reviews are the platinum 90 grand edition with everything and the bigger motor. And it's like the only thing that gave me pause is like it's like almost 800 or it's like 600 or 700. Wait, uh, I think it's 550 horsepower and like <laughs> you sure walk that one back. Torque. It's like 1,000 yeah. to 500. It's yeah. way too much, but. Like, I remember the torque numbers close to 800 foot pounds of torque, which is insanity. But, like, it, I'm in mean, the low end battery is like 450 horsepower, and the bigger one was like 550, which is like Raptor super truck territory. It's crazy. And I mean, I think everybody said from the beginning uh, that the $40,000 price point was only going to be for effectively fleet sales. Like, you know, yeah. normal people weren't going to be able to buy it. And to that end, uh, while I still wish I wouldn't have gotten my hundred bucks back, not that I probably having bought a house could afford a, uh, F-150 right now because I am broke as hell. Uh, the dealer markups, uh, which <laughs> Ford has said over and over again on the lightning in particular, they're like, no, we're going to fight those. We're going to do everything in our power to put them away. Uh, I would not say this is a comprehensive view, but definitely, uh, it looks like most dealerships that have ordered ones and put them on their lot are putting, Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar markups. On the <laughs> it, it's like they can say Ford can say whatever they want, but yeah. there's a there's a shortage of everything. Yeah, and just like the Maverick, if it's in demand, the dealers are going to charge as much as they can. We are now, <laughs> since we last recorded, in some sort of proto recession, if not fully in one. <laughs> so, like, I would imagine that some of this will start to ease off, at least from that indicator. Like, people are just not going to have as much money to throw around. I don't, I don't know. People the covet nice things things no matter what's happening in the world i don't know yeah like why do you you were closer you were kind of in the closer to the auto journalism world than i've ever been but like when a company lifts an embargo on something highly anticipated what does that mean do you think they're like hitting orders in like a month or two or like did they oh start as far doing as timing deliveries? goes yeah like why why pick whatever it was may 11th or something it's obviously an embargo because like like 30 car review sites I follow had a full blown, like I spent a week with a Ford lightning kind of reviews. 
All right. And they me, all happen on the same day. So. I, I will give you, without turning this into a PR and marketing <laughs> podcast, uh, which I would love to do, uh, I will give you the very high level, which is th- to answer your immediate question, there's not necessarily a lot of rhyme and reason, rhyme or reason when it comes down to like two weeks ahead, one week ahead, yeah. like, like, you know, different companies do it different, different ways. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's running the numbers, some wonk about like the optimal time to do it. All that shit is mostly out the window because of the current environment. Like, mm-hmm. like they Ford on the F-150 in particular, they've said they've got over a hundred thousand, uh, pre-orders like, oh, they, you know, they're good, right? Like yeah. that's getting it sold is nothing. The, the reason that car companies do embargoes for these sort of things, and, and it's very specific to auto journalism, is that in almost every other thing, except for travel, uh, which travel journalism is mostly dead these days, but it used <laughs> to be a great gig. You could fly around and review hotels. But uh, the main reason they have embargoes is because they're not going to send out the logistics of sending out cars oh, right. to all the reporters is a pain in the ass, especially right. when they're, you know, they may only have had Three, four of these four, yeah. or eight of these, you know, for this dealer or for this uh, I think journalist everyone, program. I think every journalist I saw, I saw some different colored ones, but they're all in Texas. So it was, I think it was San Antonio or something. It must have been where they had a little fleet. Yeah, uh, so they usually do uh, for something that's a marquee launch like this. Like they spend f- a few million bucks. Like it's uh, <laughs> it's not nothing, and they do a drive program and they kind of bring people down in waves. And yeah. so, like your top priority people might get to go first, and then you know your your and lower maybe that priority. was a month ago, and then yeah. Well, it's all it's always usually within a few days of each other. Oh, like okay, a, yeah. it's like you only really fly out for maybe overnight or or like a two or three day situation. But basically, yeah. they give everybody, and you can see it on YouTube more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know you'll see you'll see a YouTuber like with with a truck, and the background looks like pretty similar to what <laughs> you know somebody else is. And no, from no, a what? production standpoint, it's actually very fun to watch those because you get to see. Who who can really think oh, on their feet versus yeah. who just does the straight talk to the camera? I watched eight or nine of the Subaru Toyota EV crossover thingies like a month ago, and uh, it was the exact same car on everybody. And you could tell yeah. by the dust on the side of it who got to be before the other person and like how the sun was that day. Like in one day, there were like ten top reviewers probably got it for an hour each, and quickly, you know, did a quick review on the fly, and it was it was kind of hilarious to see like. You can see how the sausage gets made. So the I'm, way the embargo, sorry, I just can't, I OCD. I got to finish this <laughs> thought process. The reason they all launch on the same day is basically that's the trade-off, right? Like yep. Ford or anybody else will say, we'll let you see it early, but you can't release anything until here. Yeah. And the only way that that breaks is if somebody breaks the embargo. Yeah. And rarely do they ever get sued or something like that, but they definitely don't get invited again. Yeah, they get cut out access. And it's good. Uh, it's just good. You can get all your news out in one day. You can control the, you know, what yeah. day you're going to do it. You can be it's prepared. A, it's a big positive splash, but my my question really is, why do it that day versus, like, aren't you going to create more market frustration? Like, with pre-ordered people and people that didn't pre-order that can't have it, like, I would make my embargo like the day they're hitting lots or something, but I don't know what. Like it, feel, it feels like it's two months away, right before any deliveries might happen someday. I don't know. Typically, and this is speaking very broadly, typically you do an embargo for something like this when they're about to hit the lots, right? Because yeah. you want you, your your kind of beginning of the sales process will be somebody rolling, being like, "Hey, I saw this thing. This looks cool. Let me go down to my local Ford dealer and like talk to them, put in a reservation." That was yeah. like, you know how it worked 
before everything changed. And so <laughs> like now I really think it's not a, I think it's just like, well, we got to get this thing. We got to do a launch at some point. So like, we're just going to do it. It really has nothing to do with sales at this point. Yeah. I was just thinking back to like, I think it was consumer reports or something. Try to buy a Maverick last fall, you know, when it was supposed to first hit dealers and, uh, they wrote up and I, I'll find the link, but they wrote up this thing where they were like scouring the nationwide in, inventory databases and trying to find, they eventually did find something close to what they wanted, which is a really weird combo of, of options. And it was like a custom order that the customer pulled out of and the dealer was left on the hook with this thing on their lot and they got it for like close to, to list. But I was like, huh, is it still that bad? And so I just did a quick like cars, whatever.com search for Mavericks and like, People are selling the exact one I bought for ten grand over, with yep. like you know a thousand miles on it, and I was like, "Huh?" No, I mean, you I could really put ten like grand in your in your pocket right now. If yeah, you were willing yeah. To sell that truck, and I didn't see any. I don't. I still don't see any Broncos uh, or Mavericks that don't have insane markups. Like the my local Ford dealer has a Bronco two door base model that they put twenty thousand dollars on, so it's fifty eight grand because it was like a thirty eight grand one, and. Like it's just sitting there for months. Like no one's going to touch that. Like, no, it's it's completely nuts. A, a, a volunteer firefighter uh, friend of mine uh, is he and his husband have always just had one car, and he's like now he's getting called out for more stuff, and he's looking for a car. And I was like, man, the Maverick is like exactly what you need. And I did a little poking as well, and I actually called uh, a friend of the show Tom McParlin and was just checking my head and like. Uh, before I paid him some money to, uh, or had my friend pay him some money to go find something, I was like, uh, there's no Mavericks, right? And he's like, yeah, the only, the only thing maybe is what you just described, that there was an order, it got shipped in, and usually it's at a dealer in like Alabama or North yeah. Dakota or, you know, somewhere that doesn't have yeah. a lot of foot traffic. So right. yeah, you know, the, 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 my hope, uh, and you know, uh, we should keep on moving to news, but I do still need a truck, especially now that I have a, a, a house. Like, I can't afford to buy all new stuff. I need to be able to go to estate sales. I got to haul stuff. Like, and uh, I am hoping uh, selfishly that this recession will in, uh, create or open up the market again for my preferred truck, which is the $3,000 piece of shit. Yeah. And so I'm like kind of keeping an eye on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> and like I'm seeing some people, you know, maybe willing to make some deals. But yeah, yeah new cars uh, are screwed. Yeah, it was we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. I'm I was in the market briefly for like '90s Toyota pickups and stuff, and like there still are a ton of decent um, examples, like for in the five thousand dollar range of like where I went. This is this is a fucking great truck that's gonna last forever, you know. Yeah. Um, I was gonna point about point out the Volkswagens bringing back the Scout. Did you hear the Scout was gonna be originally the name for the Maverick, uh, but they couldn't buy the naming rights. They wanted too much money for it. So Volkswagen... I did not hear that. Where did you yeah. hear this? Uh, there were some like uh, finance bros were talking about how Volkswagen bought the company that owned the Scout because Volkswagen, you know, the massive brand that owns like ten or twenty car brands. Um, they bought some, you know, three and a half billion dollar brand that still had the rights to it, so they get to use it. And, and like the concepts look pretty cool. Uh, I am. Well, the first thing I have to note is that in our trucks plus media plus PR podcast, <laughs> the, the, the outlet that broke the Volkswagen bringing the scout news was TechCrunch, which like <laughs> weird. Cool. Yeah. Like, all right, I'll check TechCrunch for my auto and truck news now. Like I'm here for it. <laughs> Uh, they, the, the, they didn't, Volkswagen did go on and, or came out and said like, yeah, we're, we're doing this, but 
it is from what we know it's going to be a c-segment truck which is like your maverick like it's yeah. a, it's a smaller platform which like is great like i i think it's actually very exciting uh they're doing a truck they're doing an suv they showed a couple of profiles they look a lot like a rivian <laughs> yeah. uh it's uh i mean that's kind of what we know I, I think it's going to be a couple of years before it gets out there I will 2026. It might about well be 20 years in the future. I mean, look, you know, I I have no idea what's happening with Volkswagen on their EV stuff or their truck stuff. Like, I mean, I do know, but I but I don't know if I have faith in it. Uh, the first round of EVs, all the ID stuff that they mm-hmm. launched, reviewed pretty poorly. I know a couple <laughs> people in Europe that bought them that were like, yeah, they're fine, but they're not yeah. great. But that said, Volkswagen is, you know, in the U.S. at least, always underrated or or forgotten about their scale. Like, they're giant, right? Like, they're always neck and neck with Toyota, the other actual biggest car company. Tesla is not the biggest car company. Uh, They just were valued very high for a long time. (laughs) And so, like, can they do it 100%? Is it weird they're going to do a U.S. only brand like the Scout? A little weird, but fine. I'm okay with it. Uh, But I... What is promising to me, like, not that I, you know, by the time it comes out, I will have gone through like 10 new things that I wanted to buy, but small, small EV truck from a manufacturer that can actually sell it at a relatively reasonable price at large scale, at large scale with a dealer network, like all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I will. I am open to it. Like, yeah. so it's cool. It doesn't have anything to do with International Harvester. <laughs> I, um, I just wonder how many people who still remember fondly the Scout sort of Bronco uh, uh, competitor from the 60s, like, are even alive to appreciate yeah. this. No, Our, I mean, Scout is underrated in, because it fell off the map and they were they were, they were fine. Uh, Andrew Collins of The Drive has a Scout that he's uh, been keeping alive. Uh, I actually may swap with him a car and borrow that for a weekend when he figures out how to chisel the rust out so I can take the top <laughs> off. Uh, Scouts, I will say. Like, I love Scouts. I, I think it's one of the most beautiful designs in SUVs there ever was. Like, yeah, I think they're better I, looking than Broncos. Once in a while, there'll be a car show, you know, or someone in Texas, you know, some sheet metal company with like a you know doing two hundred thousand dollar frame off rebuilds we'll do a scout with like an ls engine in it and they're like they're fucking great (laughs) they just look so awesome when they're fully restored and no i there was a company i saw at overland expo maybe four or five years ago that was trying to do an icon style uh you know like we're gonna we're gonna do it our way you can pick the color and a couple things but basically we have a system and then I haven't heard anything from them. Doesn't doesn't mean they're not doing it. There's actually a surprising number of those resto mod companies that have very healthy businesses, but you don't see them on car sites or whatever because yeah. they make twenty units a year, but they yeah. make you know a couple hundred grand, thousand, yeah. Uh, yeah, on in profit probably when they're yeah, all said and done. True. So love a scout. The new one will have nothing to do with it, but it still sounds like a good idea. So yeah, yeah, you know, bring it on. Uh, I want you to talk about. A tweet that you saw, oh, which yeah. says, uh, the, "You call it the smartest thing I've seen in weeks uh, that Honda could just put the element back in production as is, just put a hotel tabletop TV style infotainment screen on the dash, and people will clear them off dealership shelves." I yeah, don't know. I saw dealerships that. don't have shelves, but you know what? <laughs> I saw that tweet and I chuckled, and then I was like thinking about how 
Wherever I drive the Maverick, uh, once or twice a day, a random dude will just go, hey, that's pretty fucking rat. What is that? Is that what? Where'd you get that? Et cetera. And I was just thinking like, uh, and whenever I drove my Sprinter when I had it, the same thing would happen. People would ask me about them constantly, want to see inside. If you just, <laughs> I mean, they don't even have to redesign it. If you just brought, like, elements go for near list price now, even with, you know, clapped out with a 200,000 miles on them up here. They're just like a really mini adventure van, kind of like what well, I remember 20 years ago. Everyone loved the Chevy Astro van, had a four-wheel drive safari edition um, that people would buy cheap on Craigslist and live out of and stuff. But like you could bring back an element tomorrow if it just had, uh, yeah, like a, like a big touchscreen CarPlay and the same shitty, I mean, it'd be nice if they put a hybrid in it or something that got like 30 miles a gallon. But I, I owned one for two or three years in the mid-2000s. And it was like 20 miles a gallon if I was lucky. It was probably like 18. It was like a truck. It sucked. Yeah. Um, but it people, people like... don't know that the Honda truck alikes actually get really bad gas mileage. Yeah. Yeah. And my neighbors would ask me, is that a hybrid? Because it's covered half in plastic, you know? I'd be like, no. But as like a tiny adventure wagon, like weekend camping, it is the best platform in the world. Like this weekend is the nationwide element owners meetup in North Carolina from one of the last companies that made pop-up tops for them. Dude, I actually saw one this morning when I was poking around on Facebook that was like maybe three grand. It had 160,000 miles. And I was immediately like, oh, that's a great flip. But then I'm like, I don't, I can't, I don't have the time. I can't do it. Uh, the other old Honda though that I've been looking at, and I agree with this tweet, by the way, like yeah. people love elements. They still look modern. They look modern. They look fine. Like everything it just, looks weird now. It just, if you made an attainable like adventure vehicle that was like under 25 grand, it would be flying off the shelves like Mavericks. You'd have pre-orders stacking up. Like it would be, it would be huge. And it's like Honda doesn't have anything like that. You know, like the, they got rid of the fit, which everyone loved. Uh, so now it's all, what's the bigger like off-roady fit or the utility version well, of the HRV. They, yeah, HRV, HRV is there, and that thing's terrible. It's not very. It doesn't have enough room, and doesn't have any like off-roadness. And they have their dumb wilderness edition of the Passport. I think is what they call the short pilot. But like they got they got nothing in their lineup that's like here's something a weekend warrior could use. You know, that's not going to cost an arm and a leg. That's not made for a ginormous family. You know. Well, I feel for Honda uh, because Honda is not as big as Toyota, and they still run into the the same problems that Toyota does, which is by the time Toyota. Toyota figures out what Americans want. They like Americans have changed their mind again. (laughs) So uh, you love Camrys, right? No, we hate sedans. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll make these uh, our Camry (laughs) into a crossover. And you know what we want now is weird vans. Uh, I. It is a little weird. They Honda has pushed into like the Pilot, and isn't I think there's something bigger than the Pilot too. Whatever it is, just like the crossover SUV yeah. things, which practically just family uh, wagons. You know, the our, here's the thing. Like, besides the suicide doors on the Element, what <laughs> is it? I'm serious. Like, that's the only design yeah. thing. I mean, you know, they're more blocky and square. But like, what is it about an Element that has more, I don't know, panache than like what is currently a being CRV. Sold by yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just felt rugged. It's roomy inside at huge headroom. I'm over six feet and I'm always rubbing up against, um, and that one I felt like I was sitting too low in. I had like a foot over my head of airspace. Um, 
the rear seats you could flip up sideways kind of like an fj um and get them out of the way and have a flat plastic floor people always made jokes and they always made jokes to me when they'd see it oh you can just hose that thing out and you literally couldn't there's tons of electronics no absolutely not yeah. yeah and i think eventually maybe the last year they finally like sealed the electronics because enough idiots were bringing them in for warranty repairs from hosing them out so I think it I think it like 2010 was probably the last production year and like you could kind of hose them out but um now nah, there's just something like eh, rugged cheap the plasticness meant you didn't care about door dings you, you know you could drive it through a bunch of brush and not sweat it I don't know it was just it's funny it's just turned into like I don't know. You remember the '80s Tercel like four by four wagon Do I? thing? Yeah, yeah. No, it's on my it's on yeah. my to be owned soon there's, list. There's yeah, a, I love those. There's a beautiful one in Ben that someone just showed me. It's like restored and lifted, and it's it's the greatest car I've ever seen. And the you know the rear of it looks like an ATM with the license plate and everything. <laughs> no, I love them. I love the yeah. design of those. Those were like humongous in Southern California. As like take this up to Big Bear to the snow. Like here's this, and you could buy it for two grand on you know in the classifieds because. People, families would get rid of them after a few years. So I think like the element in the Pacific Northwest is like highly coveted. I see them going for seven or eight grand with over a hundred thousand miles. And you know, I think I bought mine for sixteen or eighteen in two thousand four, brand I new. I think you're stumbling into part of it though. It's just the price. You yeah. Know, when the elements came out, the elements were basically an entry level. They weren't. Yeah. There, there wasn't all this like crossover and SUV yeah. premium on stuff, right? Right. And so it was just like a weird Honda. <laughs> and then like, and I remember people making fun of it when it came yeah. out. It wasn't like people were it's like, ugly. oh, this is a great idea. No, it's ugly as sin, but it's oh, like, yeah. it, it has a personality. Like I have, I don't know, I got to come up with some dorky Maxim name for this, but I, I have, it's so consistent now. I, I need to codify it. If I hate a design of a car up front, it's almost, almost guaranteed that I will love it in like two years. And so like, I have just started like, yeah. I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw that I was like, oh my God, that's God awful. And I was like, oh, well, set a, oh, set a fucking clock. Like you're going to want to buy one in yeah, like five the first, years. The first time I saw Gladiator, I was like, nope, nope, no way. Nope. That is terrible. And then, you know, I would have bought one a couple years ago if I had no other choice. Yeah. I, I, uh. Elements are still out there. They're fine. They're yeah. also not, you know, they're not trucks. They're not off-road. They're not yeah. that. They're just nice. They're just, it's a Honda. It's, it's like, it's smart. It's nice. It's utilitarian. If Honda had like a slightly rugged thing you could bang around on the weekends and have fun in, like an REI car, you know, <laughs> just fits -E every, that's yeah. how much like off-road prowess it needs. It's like how much someone who goes to REI needs, which is not very much. All like, right. This is the disclaimer part of this segment. <laughs> One, Honda, if you're hearing us, do not start making another element because by the time you do it will be out of <laughs> fashion too late, yeah yeah so don't don't take that advice and What's two minivan life <laughs> if you own i mean look i love an odyssey two if you own a 2010 honda element and try to hose it out it will probably also break do not listen <laughs> to what matt said yeah. we do not take responsibility for that <laughs> uh, right. i have another weird thing that i saw just today news you can use but uh i actually have had this happen to me before Somebody, uh, 11alive.com, some local uh, news channel's website. Yeah, we uh, got to the bottom of this. Yeah, you know, like, man, honestly, I love that stuff. They, they A <laughs> local, lot of times, yeah. these, like, local news, like, hey, yeah. this is something you didn't know, is often very useful. Yeah. Uh, and so what they were, their their headline is basically, like, do uh, those truck stickers that uh, are I on the back of construction vehicles that say we are not responsible for any damage that's done if something falls off this truck, yeah. are those legit? 
And are those, you know, whatever the opposite of enforceable would be? And the answer very clearly, as you probably could have intuited, is no. Like, yeah. if something falls off somebody's truck, I'm presuming in all 50 states, but, you know, who fucking knows these days. Uh, if something falls off somebody's vehicle and it hits, you know, even if it hits the road and it damages your car, like, they are liable for that. Uh, if, if, yeah. So if it if it came off now if it, if they hit something that was already on the road yeah then they're not liable for that so yeah like so I, I'll just say I was uh, cautious while reading this I've never seen these stickers but that makes sense um gra there's uh every every Oregon's famous for like your windshield doesn't last two years before you're gonna get a crack in it from all the gravel and rocks and stuff because. But like uh, liberals I, just I don't go know. out and break it. There's just gravel everywhere and rough roads. We don't have high taxes, so we don't. We have very rough roads. But um, but like I was driving with a friend, you know, and some car in front of us kicked up a rock and it and it choosh, little star pattern on my windshield. And they said, "Quick, chase him down. Let's get him to, like busted for this." And I was like, "They didn't even know. I can't prove it, even though I have a dash cam." Like it's not. It's just a rock on the. It's not yeah. their rock. And no, so, that's not anybody's. And fault. I was also imagining getting pulled over by someone wildly honking at me and saying, hey, you owe me 700 bucks because I say so is crazy. Well, but well, truly, a gravel truck, that's a different story. But you'd have to have actual video of you know something flying off a gravel truck. I mean, you can't get busted for not tying down your load, not covering your load. I understand that. But my very first car, which was a Honda Civic Si, like new car that I had bought, uh, maybe three weeks into getting it, I was behind a construction truck and they hit a bump and a bunch of mud that had gravel impacted in it, like carved Whoa. a big chunk out of like my paint on my hood. Huh. And I, and I remember their sticker because, you know, I was like, I don't know, 22 or 23 or something. And I'm like, and I looked up at the sticker and was like, well, they got the sticker, I guess I'm screwed. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure these stickers are like a regional thing, right? Yeah, like some trucking companies like, Coast. oh, like we got to buy a bunch of these stickers. But yeah. yeah, all when it's all said and done, if somebody like you're, you're hitting the right point, which is like, yeah, they're liable. Uh, are you going to try to do a citizen's arrest of a guy in a, you know, like 10,000 pound truck driving around? Like probably not. Maybe just take the phone number of the company. Yeah, or, you phone know, number whatever. and the number on the truck and you could show them video if you had it. That's, and a dash that's cam, a yeah. Yeah, it's an uphill battle to, but yeah, I've never seen, I've never seen these on the West Coast saying like, stay away from me. We're not, li I've never I've seen, never seen them on the liable. East Coast either, but I've definitely seen them in the Midwest. So uh -huh. uh, we'll see, although, and you know, topic for another day, but I have been getting uh, real anxious lately, remembering that I don't have dash cams in either of my cars. Uh, so yeah. someday we're going to have to talk about what yeah, the totally. deal is with that. Cause I yeah. gotta, I gotta suck it up. I just paid off. My second car, I'm free and clear on cars. I can't nice. buy anything or can't finance anything. I'm glad I don't have to finance anything. Yeah. I feel like the smartest guy in the world because I bought two cars before the pandemic and they're both paid off and they're both worth more than I paid for them. So I'm good. <laughs> uh, the other weird piece of news I saw today uh, was on Expedition Portal. They are featuring <laughs> the weirdest brand name I've seen in a while, which is I presume pronounced Flated, F-L-A-T-E-D. <laughs> But it is an inflatable truck topper. So mm -hmm. just like any, you know, truck topper, like a like a, like a another shell. name for a topper, camper shell. Like yeah, camper like shell. like it's inflatable. Which 
I love inflatable camping stuff. Well, I, like well, I, it's not inflated. for not for me per se. Like I, I, I don't know. I, but I've seen tents that are inflatable. <clears> I've seen lots of stuff like that. And there's actually a fair amount of those bed tents where you just like kind of attach it to your truck bed yeah. and, and hook it up. Like a lot of those are apparently in. Well, they are inflatable. I've just never used them. But a a inflatable truck topper is a real new one for me. I guess my first question would be, how small does it pack down? Because if you're if you carry it with you all the time, then it's basically like it kind of makes some sense to me. Like, oh, I only need it, you know, for a day, or I, I'm gonna go pick something up, or I'm gonna sleep in the back. But if it's like really big, I I, I, don't, I don't see what they're doing. <laughs> there's an air deck. There's an air topper. There's an air carrier. So oh, that's a different thing. That's I see. a cargo box. And then the chalet looks like it's for dogs. Um, I thought this was brilliant. The the like the thing that looks like a tonneau cover it just like you know a stand-up paddleboard um we own a couple hard fiberglass ones and the inflatable ones are almost indiscernible until i touch them that like i can't yeah. tell that it, that one's not solid that that one's inflatable like and i i love tonneau covers for like keeping your stuff locked and keeping stuff dry and but i hate you know, soft ones never quite seal. Hard ones are too hard and I need to move stuff and none of them kind of collapse enough. So I was just like, I saw that. I was like, that's a really good idea. Um, the inflatable truck cap is funny. It's strange. Um, I can't tell how much it even collapses because they don't show it. They only yeah, show they don't it have a breakdown photo. They also have a rooftop box that's yeah. inflatable, which is uh, interesting. Like, Yeah, the car yeah, cargo boxes can be expensive, I, I guess. It's weird. Oh, it's a like backpack size, the shell, but it doesn't show what it's like. I guess you just wrap it up, take it off the truck and wrap it up. Yeah, it's just like a tent. I'm sure you put it in a in a case or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know what? Fine. It's cool. Like, I mean, this is very clearly some somebody had an idea and they like, uh, you know, with the number of projects I've started just trying to do a one off. I am very reticent to trash somebody who had an idea and is trying to make a product and sell it. But I think they got an uphill battle. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of funny, but it's a little bit interesting. Oh, we should talk about Easter Jeep week. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, set the scene. Yeah. So uh, a friend from Slack who also was leaving Slack and he was like, hey, we got some time off. Uh, I guess he had time off. Uh, between two jobs and he said hey let's go to moab next month and in, in this random week in easter and then i found out only after i said yes that it was easter jeep week <laughs> and i don't know why he picked that week because it just made everything hard so uh i'd never been to utah pretty much in my life for more than five minutes of sitting in the salt lake city airport before i had a transfer somewhere drove to i think eastern oregon the first day then drove to a friend's house in uh, outside of salt lake city Stayed over and then, then spent three days in Moab um, while fighting sickness because I got sick right when I left, which sucked. But um, because it's at 6,000 feet, I didn't even know <laughs> that, like, it's, like, hard to breathe, you know, when you're, like, doing yeah. stuff. And you're also, like, coughing up mucus. But um, And I didn't get COVID, which is weird. Um, just never tested positive for it. But uh, went to Moab. We spent three days, and he'd been wheeling there before. He had a... a I would say like a 2012-ish forerunner that was really built up. Um, and uh, yeah, we wanted to do bike stuff, wanted to do some trail stuff. So um, I drove some mellow trails myself. And then we did spend a day on Elephant Hill, which is like a famous trail there. It's probably the 
the best trail that looks insane and looks impressive when you see it on video or on YouTube or something, but it's like completely doable without lockers and without winches, like almost any car can do it. Um, but it is really challenging and crazy and you can flip a car and stuff and you can only, I think there's a wheel wheelbase limit on uh, going in there. So like barely a gladiator would fit around some of the corners. Um, and there's it's a like famous high wall corners basically. Well, yeah, I just like tight, um hairpins there's 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 a pitch where you have to do it in reverse because there's no place to turn around mm. um and then there's a famous narrow gap you drive and like the jeeps are all like 74 inches wide or something um and like it's maybe a 75 or 76 inch wide and you know like a tundra uh a raptor's 81 or two inches like you couldn't even take like a really big full size down that thing um and I loved it so much. I was like, I wish I lived nearby because it's so far. Even from the town of Moab, it's 90 miles. Like, yeah, it was 90 miles or something to the trailhead. We had to actually, like, ration our gas and worry about that and stuff. But, uh, no, yeah, we just did a bunch of trails. We did some mountain biking and stuff. And then the, the town was just nuts. It was like CES. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it's a, I don't know how big the town is, whatever. It must be, like, 20,000 people. It was, like, 200,000 people for those four days or five days. And jeep well a lot of brands were just taking over hardware store parking lots as with booths like conference booths and stuff and i saw half of these jeep concepts that you send a link for i saw them sitting on the pavement there <laughs> and then it looks like they took them up into some hills and like showed them to reviewers and i saw a lot of uh reviews of them from like jeep youtubers uh checking out all the concepts the concepts are funny uh uh, about half of them are just like for looks and are cool, and then about half of them are like you know real performance. I um, love. I mean, I'm not a the Jeep one guy. that was I'm not anti Jeep, but I love the concept stuff. Yeah. Like that, it's a tradition that they yeah. do it every year. I think is great. Yeah, I think like ten years ago they showed off like a Wagoneer that looked like it was from the '60s, but it was all modern chassis, and you know that probably influenced the actual Wagoneer coming out again. But uh, these things, yeah, like they have a big design group and I know they, they spend a lot of time on these and I think they, they bear fruit, you know, these things, these, these concepts end up in production somehow, some way. The funniest one to me was a gladiator where they cut two feet, they bobbed the rear end of it, you know, by like 18 inches, foot and a half. So oh, it, I like that. So it didn't have clearance stuff, but the funny thing is, and, it's, and you could tell it just like works really well. It's not going to hang up on rocks and descents and stuff, but when you see it done, and it's super professionally done, and they did it beautifully. They, they like, embedded uh, an air compressor in the tailgate and stuff, so you don't even have to, like, you know, it was, it was great. Really clean and cool. But when you look at it with, like, a foot and a half cut off the back of it, it's basically the JK four-door, you know, with, like, a really squat. Like, all you can fit is a spare in the Yeah, it's like a rumble set. And so you're like, why don't you just buy a JK? You know, it's probably I didn't. I wanted to look up the specs on the concept because I was wondering, is it the is it just a different wheelbase but the same overall length of a Jeep, or is it actually almost exactly the same? Like, I, like it was funny. I was like, that's really cool. You took a seventy thousand dollar truck and you did fifty thousand dollars of body work and stuff on it to get. Uh, JK, you can just get off the lot. So yeah. you could tell everybody, see, this is why we don't sell this. Yeah. Stop asking. Yeah, it's great. What was yeah. the vibe? Like, what's the vibe in town when everybody's running? Is it like a oh. Sturgis kind of thing? Is yeah. it a lot of backwards, like, sunglasses on the back of the hat? <laughs> like, what's what's what was uh, the, the was, vibe? It was fun and funny and goofy. Um, I think, like, I was, this is midweek, you know, kind of in an off season. And I, I would think the town would normally be sleepy. 
So I think most of the town, like there was big signs welcoming everybody and like every restaurant was packed. Every gas station had a line. Um, you see, you'd see 30 Jeeps rolling out, you know, end to end every morning from all the hotels and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was party, very party-like atmosphere and silly. And then eventually they did set up like an overland expo sort of thing outside of town, like a mile south of town was this like ginormous field where like all the, I guess everyone picked up their conference booths from parking lots and put them around this one place. And I think you had to pay 20 bucks to get in. Uh, I never even ended up going to the expo part of it, but yeah, it was like, it was funny. It was crowded. Um, it was kind of like hard to get, you know, I, I think we ate at one restaurant on a patio and it was only cause we were eating outdoors and it was pretty freaking cold that we got a table within an hour. Um, yeah, it was kind of party atmosphere and, and silly and kind of crowded, but like it was fun. Everyone was in good spirits and like, that's cool. I don't know that I would like, you know, get up out of bed to go to something like that, but not cause I'm dissing it just cause I'm kind of a poindexter and I yeah. get weird about going to big things. But like, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's I wild kinda, that there's like that's a you know it's a semi-sanctioned event for yeah. basically one vehicle. Like there's no <laughs> yeah. other example. Oh, you know, it out totally. There like it. it felt like oh, this is like how MacWorld was about like Apple announcements. Like this is a private company that like through a conference or Apple would announce everything for the entire year, and it was always a week. That's how I felt. It's like what is Jeep's relationship to this like silly like non-organized like city-based thing that just happens once a year but it's perfect for them because they don't have to pay for it they don't have to organize it they don't have to be responsible for any stupid shit that happens when they're there like yeah yeah, but they love it the one thing i did notice is you know like our great i don't know if you ever knew her but my great friend leslie harpold used to say before she died that uh uh you can tell when something sucks when you're buying toys for your toys (laughs) like that was always (laughs) And I, and I always think about that when I, like, if I spend more than three seconds thinking about an iPhone case, I go, I'm not buying toys for my toys. Like, I'm just, I'm just not going to go down that path. But um, how many, like, you know, tubular frame, custom rock buggy kind of Jeeps were there with, like, a Ford F-350 with a fifth wheel, you know, giant fucking car hauler trailer. The outskirts of town was, like, 20, 30 truck haulers just parked in dirt roads yep. or in the backs of hotels and i was like holy fuck like like this this uh i'm gonna spend a hundred thousand dollars on a on a on a automobile that goes like eight miles an hour very well um not a race car but then i'm also gonna have to spend like 50 grand to 100 grand just to be able to take it places because you can't they're not comfortable on the highway it was funny to walk drive downtown and like you're hearing these throaty V8s, like with super low gearing, just whining, and and uh, people would have like locked front hubs making turns and skidding, you know, because <laughs> the tires don't, you know, go at different rates. So you hear like, yeah. as they go I mean, into my yeah. my cousin, uh, my cousin and uncle, kind of the last run of farmers that are in Missouri that are still working farmers. Like that's that's the, I mean, that's what they do for fun, right? Like because yeah. they, you know, they the the joke is always like, you know, they're probably i mean it's not a joke they're like the best mechanics or among the best mechanics that i know because that's most of what farming is is keeping equipment running fixing things and and so my cousin jared who i think is he had a baby slowed down a little bit but he's 
he used to build hand build those tube frame. I mean, they were Jeeps yeah. technically, but he was doing the wall crawl kind of stuff. And yeah. it was like really only the engine was, you know, the a, a Mopar engine and everything else was was hand built. But they've got all those flatbeds yeah. uh, sitting around the farm because that's what they move equipment around right. with. So when they have a week off, they'll throw a couple of crazy, <laughs> you know, like uh, tube chassis and I, machines and they'll yeah. go out to moab or they'll go out to colorado and they'll run around and then they'll drive them home in their hundred thousand dollar rebuilt f-150 or f-350 yeah. yeah i like i i saw the appeal of it because like to do elephant hill and we were gonna do fins and things i did schaefer road and a whole bunch of like little trails uh you know air down to like 17 pounds of pressure and i'm crawling for hours and we're worried about our gas and stuff and we went eight miles in like six hours you know and there were tough pitches all over and then when i was all done i was like great now i have to turn around and drive for 15 hours at like 70 miles an hour like that's the pit no dude i mean like at the end of the day these people are doing it right when it yeah. comes to off-road like i you know you and i both like to do you know like or have been lured by the siren song of overlanding plenty of times but mm. like overlanding in the united states is basically like wearing ankle weights just because like <laughs> you need to make it a little harder to walk like yeah. the, the way to do it and everybody that actually needs to use a four by four to do work is you you haul it somewhere and then yeah. you do that thing like the idea that you're gonna build a land cruiser or a whatever that's going to be able to drive around the world like sure that's a fun way to do it but you make it crappier on the road and you make it worse off road and mm -hmm. like look i'm gonna keep doing it i love it it's fun but i it's like i will never you know my cousin is is the the one that you know is a much better i mean i can't even explain to you how much of a better off-roader than he is than me because he can do like acrobatics and stuff with, i mean he's crazy nice and every time i bring a new truck out there and and you know visit them spend the night or whatever you know he always just kind of walks up and is like well you sure did ruin a good truck like <laughs> i'm like i can't can't really argue with you and like but this is what i, I mean, got being in moab was incredible like you know i've i've romanticized it for 20 years even going back in a mountain bike times in the 90s i was wow that was the place to go and i just never quite did it even though i was like way into mountain biking and stuff um it was wonderful like the place is otherworldly it is incredible it's better visuals than i ever expected everything was beautiful everywhere um it is totally worth it, it lives up to all the hype you know uh and i had fun as i mean i pushed my car and my limits like way beyond what i've ever done and that's why i heard basically Moab is just so many concentrated, crazy things you can do that you'll come out of it with like 10 years of experience driving anywhere else in the country because there isn't really as much of those resources there as they have there. But um, yeah, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> you had it. You went on a trip and you enjoyed it and you saw some trucks. No, that's cool, man. I, I, I you know, I've never had the Moab. I'm not, a, you know, for somebody who spent way too much money on off-road trucks. I'm not really an off-roader, to be honest. I am a, I am a camper. Like mm. that's what I am. Like, I just like to be able to roll up to a place and set out and be able to, you know, within reason, be able to go wherever I want, but I'm usually on a trail or I'm on a fire <laughs> road or I'm, you know, driving for a thousand miles straight on the highway. Yeah. And like, uh, but now that you're talking about, it, it makes me I wouldn't even take a truck out there. I'd just fly out there, drive out there, right. rent rent somebody else's, yeah. and uh, run yeah, there were, for a couple days. There were fleets of uh, maybe were they 
there was there were fleets of jeeps you know you could rent a jeep for i don't know a hundred dollars a day or 200 bucks a day that was just like a rubicon stripped or not even rubicons whatever like stripped forty thousand dollar jeep uh but there was there was some place by my hotel that was like god they weren't jeeps and they weren't land cruisers because that was expensive were they range rovers there was some weird like not jeep brand that somebody had a lot of 20 of them on for rent that would be a smart way to go so you don't have to drive a thousand miles of really reduced gearing it's like i'm i'm gonna re-gear my lexus to be a little more low-end grunty and then i was like God, was 80 the freeways are 80 miles an hour speed limit so everyone's yeah, going keep like your top end gear 80, yeah and i'm like am i gonna have enough of an overdrive to make a thousand mile trip to the trailhead possible and yeah you have to be worried about breaking things but yeah i would love to take you should fly out someday and i should meet you like it was bonkers like it is like i'm a convert it's amazing like I don't really even like overland, even though I have an overlandy kind of rig. I don't have. I'm never gonna put a tent on it. I love ground top tents, you know, that cost you know one tenth <laughs> the price. Like I, I literally bought the, you know, was it called a gazelle tent um, last week because I have this bike trip coming up, and we needed to have tents. And I was like, you know, three thousand dollars for a decent rooftop tent that adds a hundred pounds at the highest. You know, did you point. just say three thousand dollars? I mean, at the minimum, the ones I would consider were two to three grand for a rooftop tent. Oh, for a rooftop tent, yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, weigh, of they weigh, they weigh a hundred pounds. It's in the worst place to put a hundred pounds on a car. You know, it makes everything unstable. Versus, you know, it's three hundred dollar tent that's like pops up in twenty seconds and it's like amazing and like super roomy and you don't have to walk up a sketchy ladder eight feet to use it. Um, yeah, I'm never going to be much of a, I don't want to put a fridge in my car that drains my battery and I don't need <laughs> slide outs and all that stuff. But I actually like off-roading. I wish, you know, I wish I was simple and I just got a Jeep because it's, I understand why solid axles are so dumb and simple and why they work on all these trails. And Moab was like cut by Jeep guys. And so the whole place is like, just really like, I mean, people would just be surprised when they saw anything that wasn't a Jeep show up to and like. Well, when we were on the Elephant Hill, there was like, so it was limited 22 people a day are allowed to drive on this trail. There were nine Jeep guys doing it. And then one guy with his son in his own Jeep by himself. And then there's just us two weirdos in the Japanese trucks. We'd run these nine Jeep guys. and They'd always be like, I can't believe you guys made it ahead of us. I can't <laughs> believe you guys are still ahead of us. I can't believe you guys are going faster than us. Like, and I was just like, this isn't, this isn't rocket science, you know, and these things have a ton of travel. Like we're fine. Um, it was well, Jeep, Jeep guys do tend to have a tendency to think that no other vehicles can go where off road. go. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're, chain <laughs> they're, they're right on the, uh, when it comes to maybe the extremes, but most of those people driving around are not at the extremes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 we'll talk, we should do like, an you, someday I want to do a guest by the way, sure. but also we should do a overlanding show at some point, talk about equipment. Cause like. I, look, I'm, I'm, if anybody wants to tell me if quick jacks are good, uh, before I spend two grand on co at Costco buying quick jacks, like I got to build this house out. I cannot build anything else for, <laughs> for probably a freaking year. Oh yeah. Losing yeah. my mind. But, uh, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I will build another truck. The plan is still to get something off the, off the lot. That's, you know, capable enough and throw a topper on it. Mm -hmm. The rooftop tent thing, like, 
you know, we could dedicate a whole boring <laughs> show to it. Like they, the 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 rooftop tent the, the argument, cult, the cultural signifier of a rooftop tent. It is a thing, right? Yeah, like, like Pacific Northwest, it's every other car has one. It could be a yeah. Subaru, it could be a Jeep, it could be any. Every, and they're uh, almost always like the entry level Tapui tent or something. That's like the <laughs> zero bucks, yeah. it's, and like no arrow, no nothing. Yeah, I I've had I've had a couple rooftop tents that were you know you put up on bars. Uh, I love a hard side one, usually the yeah. fiberglass ones, just yeah. because they have some decent arrow and they're easy to put up and down. Not as much room, but you know that's fine. Uh, but you know, I will I will argue passionately for a truck topper based tent because yeah, it's the weights up top and blah blah. Like, but the what once you get it set up, there is something pretty magnificent about being able to pull up to a spot and literally Boing. five minutes later have two rooms yeah. and and you know i never finish anything out that can't get dirty like it's you know it but but it's all bolted in or ratchet strapped down and it's there and i've had you know the tacoma that we built which was the most i've ever used something i built like off-road uh consistently we we did over two years two and a half years something like that we did either crystal and me or or by myself we did over 100 nights in it oh right and and like that that it was the dream like yeah. it, it is fantastic but you know i will also say a good 30 percent of those nights were in a rest stop somewhere which was also good hmm, yeah. except for when a trucker inevitably some trucker would like walk up and the way the bed flipped out you were only maybe six foot seven foot off the ground so like they could definitely like reach a hand up if and like would they you know, smack the side or something. They, they wouldn't, but they would be like right under the edge, like where your head is at, and then be like, "Hey, hey, you in there?" It's like, "Yeah, motherfucker, I'm in here." Like, why are you? Like, why? Are you, why are you coming up? You're not doing this to a car just because I'm in a tent. Why would you do this? But they're usually just you know checking it out, thought it was cool, wanted to get some compliments, but it like. That part, that's why I built that truck. And part of the reason I like the topper is because I also had a little sleeping area down at the bottom because I yeah. would boondock with that thing in Walmart parking lots and rest stops yeah. and stuff time to time. And I was like, I'm not sleeping in a canvas size or, you know, like I'm not sleeping in a tent uh, within arm's reach of people. Yeah. But I don't know, man. It's, that's a pretty it, good there, idea. There's something. And yeah. We were up in uh, South Dakota one one time for a couple of days and went and parked in a in a place where they had buffalo herds and the buffaloes. You know, we were just hanging out in there because there's enough room to hang out and you can get a breeze. And the buffalo like came right underneath the truck, and I got to sit and watch a buffalo do buffalo things for, <laughs> you know, from three feet away, like. They they can be they can be really cool, but uh, yeah, generally I'm with you. Like a, a ground tent is quick and easy, or as I call them, a planet top tent. <laughs> yeah, they fit right on the top of almost any planet almost that you're going to be planet on. It can fly too. Uh, do you see any uh, close it up any cool trucks this week? <laughs> you know what I did see? This I month. did not. You know what I saw though? I saw that. Uh, I saw that Bronco two again. I think he's oh. in. I think he's in the town I moved to. Nice. So I'm gonna keep an eye on it. Uh, that that Bronco. Eddie Bauer. It, <laughs> when I got to look at it again, I'm like, it's like, was that an Eddie Bauer trim, or did he just spray it those colors? I don't know. <laughs> not that it matters. It's not that different. But uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on that one because uh, yeah. like maybe he wants to get rid of it. But uh, no, I saw a moving truck uh, when uh, when we moved. Uh, I haven't seen anything particularly good because that is because I have not been out of this house in about a month. 
Oh man, you are you are in for it as a homeowner. These the first shocks of uh, like, do you have to build a fence at all, or get a fence installed or repaired? I like, so fencing what... is made out of whatever they make in inkjet printer ink out of, like where it's just uh, seventy five billion dollars per foot, and like, and you'll get ten estimates, and they'll be within ten bucks of each other, and they'll all be insane. Like that was the first shock of being a homeowner, going, what? Like in my mind, I thought that cost a thousand dollars. No, that's ten thousand, or that cost three hundred dollars. That's three thousand. Like everything is in sets of thousands. I think. So yeah. we, uh, we <laughs> this house was empty for about two years, from what I can ascertain, hmm. and uh, had been the guy that built it, uh, a man named Ellis. Respect to Ellis, he did a great job. Uh, I think he died about 10 years ago. And so uh, the house is extremely simple and well laid out. And and it's it built by hand. Like uh, there was a guy, a neighbor, an old, there's, a, there's an older kind of set of people up in this neighborhood. And uh, he wrote, there's an old guy rolled by the other day and was like, yeah, when Ellis built that house, all those stones you see in the backyard, because there's some big stuff that looks like uh, glacial yeah. erratics. He's like, he did that by rolling those on logs. Like I watched him do that 40 <laughs> years ago. Like, and look, like for me, this is all I've ever wanted. It's like, I can take somebody else who was better at something than me and just try not to fuck it up. But <laughs> yeah. the flip side is this whole thing is built of wood. It is surrounded by fence that has not been treated and half of it is rotten and half yeah. of it is warped. And I bought it because, oh, it's in just enough good shape that I can live in it, we can live in it, that I'm hoping I can stop the bleeding. But I will say I have already been flagging down a few crews to be like, <laughs> what if you were to repair this, like, uh, you know, part of my uh, eaves that a carpenter bees have torn all the way yeah. back so it's rotten? Like, it's going to be a thing. But honestly, like, what I am trying to do, you know, I am lucky enough, while I am not rich, uh, I am lucky enough that people do pay me to, to still consult, which means I can take some time off, you know, in between gigs and I'm not joking, man. Like, I think it's going to take me two or three years, but I'm going to try to do most of this myself oh, cool. because, uh, it's just so goddamn expensive. Yeah. But, uh, the plan is basically how far is the nearest, uh, Harbor Freight? <laughs> Uh, there's actually Harbor Freight's a ways. There's, oh. there's, 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 it's a little ways, but there's a Lowe's, there's a Home Depot, oh, okay, there's okay. some stuff around. <laughs> uh, the, the plan is actually, I'm going to go back to Missouri and I'm going to try to sweet talk my dad into letting me cut a couple of trees down. And my friend's got a, a wood miser and I'm going to plane out some lumber, nice. good stuff, you know, oak or, yeah. you know, something and put it aside and let it age, uh, dry out for, two or three years. And by the time I get to the t stuff where I need a ton of lumber, hopefully that stuff will be ready. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to learn if anybody wants to give me their advice on the best hydronic heating, piping valve redo system. Like I will read that book. Like, uh, I already got my YouTube pro, uh, you know, thing, but I, 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 I started out saying this, maybe this is a good button to, to end it on. Cause I don't give a shit about what cool trucks you saw, but I, 
I feel as a 44 year old man who has talked a lot of shit. And back when I was a blogger, blogged a lot of shit about stuff I knew about that I barely knew anything about. I feel this like deep middle-aged man satisfaction of like all of this stuff that I have sat around and said, Oh, well, what about, th- what do you think about these vents? Well, you know, I think you should do it this way. Like finally it's my fucking responsibility to do it. And like, for the first time in my life, I actually feel like I might be able to figure this stuff out. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. Uh, it sucks that the American dream is like you got to scrape up fifty grand before you're allowed to live cheap. You know, I th- my first yeah, my first mortgage was like barely a thousand dollars a month or something for a three bedroom house, um, just because. Well, but it was you, so impossible to get the down payment, and then once you get over that hump. Everything else is easy. It's crazy. I mean, the flip side here is that living in New York State, especially living close to the city, uh, our our mortgage is le- far less than what we were paying in rent, just yeah. five miles down the road. But our taxes more than make up for the difference. And like, I am, you know, I, I'm not even at the point at the where I even know what I'm getting or not getting for my taxes. So I will punch that Republican card. <laughs> you know, I reserve the right to become a guy complaining about taxes. But I, it, my head's in the same place where I'm like, you know, I, I could have gotten a house earlier. My career went fine. Mostly my financial issues are because of my dumb ass. But I feel for people because my wife and I have no kids. We make good money. And it was still a struggle to figure mm-hmm. out how to make this happen for us. And it took us several years of planning and shopping and finding, frankly, something that was way undervalued because people were scared of having to have a fixer upper here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> there's going to be, and we will probably not talk about it on the show unless people will just really want to talk about it, but it has already made me go. Like, I like looked up like additional dwelling unit, uh, oh, ADUs. legislation in, <laughs> in New York because not because I'm, I mean, look, I can afford this. My wife makes good money. I, I make okay money. Like we're, we're fine, but it, it's like, how many shipping containers are you allowed to have? <laughs> Well, I'm just like, man, I feel like a moral imperative to figure out how to let some other people live cheaper yeah. on this land. You know, yeah. it's just like, Jesus Christ, like it should not be this expensive to live. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's something I will think about before I then in two years inevitably buy a brand new truck and then <laughs> pretend I never felt guilt about it at all. But uh, <laughs> I, I will keep you in the loop on uh, and keep our precious audience who is stuck with this. You know what I did here the other day? This is probably... Hmm. We're terrible at ending, but you know, we're very fascinating men. Uh, I got a, uh, a fan. It wasn't a fan email. I, it was somebody I, I, I knew who texted me, but somebody I didn't even know was a listener. And he said, I'm on a road trip and I'm just into my second hour of Stepside the <laughs> podcast about trucks. So guess what? We have at least one listener. One. That's right. One. We Hello. have one. Kevin. We're number one. It's probably Kevin or Geoff, Jeff. Wow. Or Kenyatta. All of these people. Yeah. We, this is clearly our growth strategies. We'll just talk shit about people we know until they're like, <laughs> and they're like, wait, you you said something about me in public on a podcast? I was like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, eight people heard it. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. All you right. Until ne- next time. All right, brother. See, See ya. ya.